Mr. Pop. This is Rock and Roll, your weekly shot of sport and music with Kevin Hillier, Brian Mannix, and Mark Fine. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Rock and Roll. Uh, as always happens, there's always a bit of drama behind the scenes of rock and roll. We love it. My name's Kevin Hillier. With me, as always, rock star, live from the penthouse on the Gold Coast. Hang on, you're, you're back in the Gold Coast. This morning I spoke to you, and you're in the backyard of Daryl's in Melbourne. By the veggie patch. Yes, okay. I was. Yes. Um, it just well, occurred you know, to me that you've moved, you've changed, you've flown through two states since I last spoke to you, or three states. Well, and for that very reason, I was a bit late looking, locking onto this tonight because oh. it's only six o'clock here and it's seven o'clock where you are. Your daylight and, saving, um, yeah, exactly. Yep. Okay. Uh, we don't believe in saving the daylight <laughs> up here. We just waste it. <laughs> uh, well, you've got plenty of it. All right, and uh, Finey's been called away uh, to uh, to look after a, a family situation, so he's not with us. But uh, Ken Francis has jumped in again at very, very, very late notice, and we really appreciate it. Hello, Kenny. How are you? G'day, Kevin. G'day, Brian. G'day, Ken. Good to have you on board, mate. Yeah, it's always good to be, although I'm always here at the expense of Finey. So um, I'd like to be here one day when Finey's actually here. That'd be nice. Well, I can arrange for Brian to be taken out. <laughs> <laughs> or, or Brian can arrange for me to be taken out, one of the two. Look at that. Three people all on the one podcast and none of us are in the ARIA Hall of Fame. How about that? Well, it's a right. bit disappointing, isn't it? <laughs> well, two of us haven't made you know, record. Oh, no, actually, I, did, I was on a record once. Don't DJs get in the ARIA Hall of Fame? Wouldn't Stan Rowe or somebody like that be in there? Actually, that's a good point. I don't know if there are. There's a radio um, industry Hall of Fame thing. Are which, you which in I, that case? No, no, you're kidding. I'll so never, you've been overlooked as well? I'll never go into that. <laughs> is there, is there uh, people outside? The, there's people outside actually singers and, and writers and that, that make the Hall of Fame, isn't there? Yeah, well, Countdown and Molly. Were inducted into the Aria Hall of Fame. Was Sebastian so, Chase not uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame a couple of years back? I reckon the he? manager used to manage Dragon and stuff. Brian, he, Brian's I'm lost not, interest in I, the Aria I, Hall I'm of not, Fame. I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not denying nor saying anything on that matter. In other words, I wouldn't have a clue. No, there, there is a there's a long list of deserve, deserving artists, deserving acts that should be in the ARIA Hall of Fame that aren't. And as you pointed out before we went to air, Brian probably never will be. Mm. Uh, there's some acts in there that extremely dubious nominations and appointments. All right, Ken, I'm going to put you on, I was going to put him on the spot and say, okay, give us give – I'm going to do the chart later with your top three good men. The three that should be in and the three that you have a question mark against. Oh, gee, three. Good now, question. I'll, I'll, I'll give you one that will be really controversial. If Sam Newman can get some headlines last week, we'll, we'll get some headlines this week with this one. Yeah. Yothi Yindi. What, they're not in? They are in the ARIA Hall of Fame. Mm. They are? They are. Well, based on one song. Pretty much. Well, you should be in for 50 years then, Mannix. Absolutely. Well, you know. Really? Jeez, um, I can – yeah, I was – I see how brave you are to suggest that, Ken. Uh, Ken. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. Like, and you know, it. Yeah, it's one song. I don't think the follow-up did anything very spectacular. Um, I mean, I think people it, can people can point out, you know, the influence that they had within their community and that type of thing. 
But I mean, if it's an ARIA Hall of Fame, what's the criteria yeah, for getting into it? And I mean, you you look at acts like, uh, and these acts will never be, in, and they won't be in because the ARIA Hall of Fame is purely a, a television. The ARIA Awards are in a, a television event, so they they're going to choose people that are going to appeal to the audience that they're trying to appeal to with their award show to get viewers for the Nine Network. Mm. Where it is, so that's that's who's going to be in there. So the acts that are in there deserving, you know, the Chisel, Sherbet, the Hooks. Dame Nelly Melba, all those acts, they were all in very early. Yep. So they all deserve yeah. to be there. They were all pretty much pre-television, a lot mm-hmm. of them. So the, the acts that you could think, LRB, you know, you, you think of them and you think, yeah, okay, they should be there. Acts yep. now like Hush, TMG, acts that had solid chart performances mm. and toured this country and built the pub rock scene in this country, you know, which we – Extol, hey, we got the we got the pub rock scene here with the angels and chisel and the oils and all that sort of thing. It was acts like Hush and TMG in the early days of Sherbet, those bands that went out on the road and toured the country when this country was pretty much just dirt roads. They're the acts that built it up and they were on the charts and they were playing night after night and they were on countdown and they were on the radio. They will never mm. be in the Ari Hall of Fame. Isn't it uncanny, uncanny X Men? Tell me what tell me why they don't qualify. Well, I, I, Brian can tell you that, but I'm 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 shocked and staggered that that Ted's not in, that Ted Mullery's not in. Yeah, it's, and there's, there's t- been a there's been a long running campaign to get TMG into the Ari Hall sure. of Fame, and there's just no sign of it ever happening. And and Ted had a really um, successful solo yeah, before yeah. TMG. Yeah, he did yeah. falling in love again, Julia. They were massive. Yeah. Julia. I love Julia. It's such like so much like a Beatles song. Yeah, it I, is. I, I can listen to that song. Four times a day, I love it, and he sings and, it know, really well too. Mm. Yeah, he's he, like the TMG. You don't sort of think, you know, oh, jump in my car <laughs> and that. But what is it, Julia? Yeah, no, da, really da, da, nice. Da. He's, you know, he's a real big singer, and you mm. know, he had the right voice for the rock band. But yeah, I and I really like what you said about that, um, Kev, because it was something I hadn't really considered. But yeah, they did sort of. Kick down the doors for national touring and stuff, and um, as you say, drive along dirt roads, shit conditions, and yeah, yeah. What, what's interesting point, about mate. what's really interesting about what you said then is that they were doing those country towns before those country towns got television and got to mm. see them on countdown. So they yep, were they yeah. were they were doing gigs in Warwick and Toowoomba and all those places that didn't didn't matter really in terms of record sales long before yep. countdown. Took them into the lounge rooms and they saw them. And then they went out and and that that kicked the uh, the whole uh, pub rock scene and concert scene yep. in, the, in the guts. To be honest, yep. Just yeah. on a stupid on a stupid note, um, I remember Ted Mullery in the eighties came and played at the Chevron in uh, St Kilda, and Duke Magazine, as you guys would remember, it was the music magazine and had all of the reviews of the bands, I, I wrote and all for the them. latest. Right. Okay. Well, I hope you didn't write this cruel <laughs> review of Ted Mowergang. And here's how the review this I'll, I can pretty much remember the review. Ted Mowergang, live at Chevron. Bumpa, 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 bumpa. Here's one you might know. Bumpa, 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 bumpa. And he did five columns of that with, you know, here's another one. Bumpa, 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 bumpa. And then at the end, he just wrote, and that's pretty much how it went. <laughs> oh, it's well, I reckon, very cruel. I reckon I know Funny who wrote enough. that. Who'd that be? Leslie I reckon, Parsons? No, I reckon Christy Eliza wrote that. 
I reckon he would have written that. He would have written that. That would have been that would have been exactly how he would have written a review of TMG. Well, I thought it was funny, but I thought, gee, that's cool because you know they were a good band. I loved them live. I thought they were terrific. They were really good. I remember him doing a Rocktober show for us in in Brisbane when I was at Four IP, and they were uh, they were bloody brilliant. They were terrific. They stole mm. the show actually. I think the mm. ho- I think the hooks were on it. Um, I think it was the hooks. TMG might have been Youngy. Um, it was a big Rocktober concert, and uh, and TMG absolutely stole the show. They were terrific. Did they get the crowd singing "Diner Diner"? Oh, show us your yes. A yard above your knee. Oh, what a song! And that was like real old pommy. Oh, hello, lads. We've got another spot here. Let's sing this song. Diner Diner, Swiss leg. A yard above your knee. Oh, that's a good one, Chuck. He was uh, he was one of the great party uh, on road party people I've ever seen, Ted. Oh yeah, Jesus, he could go. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and actually, you, you mentioned that that English thing. Do you remember a song when when now King Charles, but when Prince Charles and Lady Di married in 1981? Do you remember there was a song and it was on Mushroom and it was on the charts at the time? Um, Charlie's getting married at last. Does it ring a bell? <laughs> it does ring a bell. I can't remember it went. Who did that? It was, it was under the name The Men of Harlech. Mm. Who was it? It was Ted Mulry. Was it really? It was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I'm gonna, we're going to have to find that. So, I'm gonna so go Google back and listen to it. Yeah, absolutely. And as soon as you know it's him, you can't hear anything but Ted Mulry. Oh, oh he, great. He's not in the video, so there's just a, a bunch of guys miming the thing in the video. I think they're touring at the moment with the brother doing Ted's role. With, with Steve, yeah. Yeah. And Steve, and because because Ted played bass and sang, of course, mm. uh, Ted's brother Steve doesn't play bass. So initially they had Mark Evans from ACDC oh, yeah. playing wow. bass in the band, uh, and he, he went off with Rose Tattoo. So now playing bass in TMG is the guy who was in Sherbet, Tony Mitchell. Oh, so, wow. No, it's, I actually sent you a message today about Tony did. Mitchell because he's been bobbing up everywhere um, and uh, and looking really well. Uh, yep. Remember the big big afro curly yeah, hair yeah. he used to have? <laughs> he, was, he was a star, Tony Mitchell. Absolutely. Now, those guys were rock stars. Oh, Absolutely. yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Him and Alan Sandow. Oh, God. Yeah. In my countdown play, right, yeah. we, took, we took the piss out of Sherbet and – um, Tony Mitchell, you know, got the guy, I've got the big hair and that. But what's really important to do, Tony Mitchell, right, is you need, remember those, um, the guitar leads, but they were like the curly ones, like a pig's yep. tail, right? Yep. So what I remember most about Tony Mitchell is he'd be playing the bass, but he'd be twirling around and the lead would just tangle <laughs> up around you. <laughs> so when you're the guy's playing bass, they go, he goes, well, what do I do? He said, you just tangle yourself up in this and then untangle yourself and then tangle yourself again. And, you know, and it was good because, you know, people got it. They went, oh, yeah, he's doing that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. And Mark, now, Mark Evans isn't with Rose Tattoo anymore. No, this is really weird with Rose Tattoo. Mark actually put up a – because the Tats recently toured in Europe. Yes. And just before they left and went overseas, Mark put up a – a thing on his Facebook page saying, just letting you know, I'm really sorry to all the European fans, but I'm not going to be part of the lineup that tours Europe. I'm really sorry. It's not my decision, but terribly sorry. But I'm letting you know now, if you go into the show, I won't be there. 
And then literally a day later, hey, just letting you know everything's okay. We're back on, and I'll see you in Europe. <laughs> so, oh, okay. So you, oh, oh, I didn't see the I didn't see the yes. I'm, I'm back in it post. I saw the I'm out of it post, and I thought, oh, I wonder what's going on there. Mm. Oh, maybe okay. Just maybe just meant I'm out of it. <laughs> and no, so that was your post, Brian. Now, wasn't Bob? Now, who else is, is now, left? Uh, who has recently left Rose Tattoo is Bob Spencer. Yes, the guitarist. Who was, yeah. of course, the guy who replaced Red Simons in Skyhooks and then later went on to be in the Angels through that whole mm. Beyond Salvation period. Yep. So he's been in the tats with Mark. And now Bob, now Bob's left of his own volition. Everything's cool. He just wants to go off and do other things. So uh, Okay. But you know, they've always they've always had a great lineup, the Tats. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Always. Now are they in the Aria Hall? I don't think they're in the Aria Hall of Fame. Oh, they'd have to be, wouldn't they? Oh, that's what I would have said, Brian. I, I would have said exactly the same thing. We'll, we'll, um, I would think we'll get a print out of the Aria Hall of Fame. I think, Susan, I think yeah. they're one of the most iconic Australian bands there is. Yeah, you know, oh. wow. And well, again, from you know, from those early days, who just built up that live scene and. Went out and toured the country in crummy old Falcons on crummy on dirt roads. Yep. And, yeah. You know. yeah. But meanwhile, you know, you've got Savage Garden in the uh, the Ari Hall of Fame. You know, okay. Oh, they, huge, they deserve huge, to be Yeah, there. deserve it. Huge international. Act. But do you put them in before you put all those guys that did the hard yards before them? I mean, well, that's a, that's cause, a good cause, question. Because soon you're, do, you're doing it posthumously. Well, the AFL, you just keep waiting. They, with AFL, they get rid of the old guys first, generally, don't they, Kev? <laughs> Yeah, uh, the, I I know what you when you said before it's a television production, Ken. That's that's part of the reason why because there's no there's no great package of putting. Let's be honest, seventy year old rock and rollers, and that's what Angry and and all the boys in the tats are these days. Sixty to seventy year old rockers. That's not the that's not going to get you a, a million viewers. Yeah, watching your television special. Um, and we don't we don't. We don't cherish what we uh, well, our, uh, our people as I much as I, they do in other parts of the world. I beg, I beg to differ, Kev. Um, oh. When the, when the Aria Awards <laughs> come on, and they're interviewing all these, you know, teenagers and shit that I've never heard of, yeah. I'm, I'm sort of going, "Who the hell's this guy? He's probably going to work back at McDonald's tomorrow." <laughs> um, you know what? Yeah, you're, you're a big successful rock star, are you? No, you're not. You know, and the ARIA Awards, the Australian Record Industry Association, you know, it's all manipulative so they can pump their acts and have their own chart and, you know, rig it. And, you know, the, the gold, yeah, no, it's, they're, they're very dodgy. They're corrupt. Well, isn't isn't well, I don't know about that, but they're isn't, corrupt. They're corrupt. Isn't <laughs> thank you, Donald? Isn't the whole system they're now corrupt like we've never seen it before? The whole system's so different now because uh, I heard someone actually uh, on a, a video clip I looked at the other day introduce an act and didn't say gold albums, platinum albums, you know, all that. Uh, said. Uh, four hundred and seventy-four point two million YouTube views, seven hundred and fifty-five Spotify uh, links, whatever it was. It was all that stuff. I'm thinking, I don't think this prick's actually sold a record, but uh, yeah. apparently, <laughs> apparently he's done all this stuff, and that's why I'm supposed to watch him now and be thrilled. And well, you, uh, you it, have sex with a duck, and you'll end up yes. getting four hundred seventy-two point <laughs> yeah. million views, four hundred twenty-two YouTube views. Okay, some of them were having sex with a duck, uh, but some of them were his clips. Well, you know, but you don't need a real good song then if you've got, you know, I go, right, 
I've put some piece of shit together and I'll get some footage of somebody having sex with a duck or doing something yeah. equally ridiculous. A cat. Get a cat, not a duck. Cats are big a on cat. YouTube. A cat and a duck having sex. <laughs> right? A cat and, and a I'll, duck. cat and a duck having sex. And that's all I'll even call the song, a cat and a duck having sex. And that'll get, that'll get a heap of, you know, Views. You'll be doesn't multi- mean that my song "Cat and Duck Having Sex" is any good. <laughs> You'll be multi-platinum before you know you. Uh, uh, what, what day of the week it is, Brian? <laughs> uh, uh, very. Tracy, t- Tracy Lords had a few hits as well. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, watch the uh, this chart we're doing uh, this week is 1997, and not only is it very hard to read because of the way the Aria set their terrible website up. Um, but even they're embarrassed about it. Yeah, they, blew, they blew the chart on purpose because it's full of shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> my God, there's some awful songs on this. And there's some bands who I must admit a couple I'd never heard of who I actually had a li- I thought I've got to be fair and have a listen to them. How they sold records is beyond me. Mm. And this was back in the days mm. where we're actually selling records and CDs. Correct. And nine and, yeah. and I keep people I keep running into people saying, Oh, the nineties were just the best for music. <laughs> I'm going Are you serious? We yeah. were you deaf yeah, during the seventies and the eighties? Because the nineties were shit. They were terrible. That's when I started getting to talk back radio. Well, funnily enough, that's when I started to work in talk back radio and uh, and sport radio because Sitting in a in a studio, I remember in the mid nineties working on gold on weekends, um, and the computer's playing ten songs in a row. And I'm looking at the computer, going, "You're going to vomit in a minute, surely. You can't be playing this shit yeah. for too much longer." And you know, well, finally, I- they're still playing the same shit now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you know, it'd be more fun doing talkback than doing music radio, wouldn't it, Kev? No, it wasn't. Uh, in really? terms, I'll be really honest and say, music radio when when and this is this is uh, ages me enormously. When music radio lost its tactile uh, appeal for, for disc jockeys. So, one, when I first started, used to pick the music and, and play the music. So you played the record. You actually went into the record library. You chose the 40 songs you would play in the two hours you're on or three hours you're on, whatever it was. You chose all those. You walked in. There were some in the studio that you did on a rotational basis, take from the front, put to the back. They were the top 40 ones. Everything else you picked. So you bought it in, put it in little piles, and you played. You physically played it. So you got the turntable. You put the needle on the on the record, and you played it. And you did all that stuff, even to the point where we got to CD players in the in the early nineties, where you were playing them off CD, not on record. So you didn't walk in with a with a you know big buddy Arnold Schwarzenegger um, load of records, but you did walk in with a couple of cart racks, and you were playing CD CDs. You didn't play your ads. Your ads were on computer. That was okay. That took a lot of the physical stuff out of the studio, but you were still involved. In actually doing it now, you basically sit and watch a computer play the music, mm-hmm. and when a stop uh, function comes onto the computer, it stops and you turn the mic on and you talk, and then you push the go button again, and the computer plays everything. Mm-hmm. Your yep. attachment physically to yep. that to being on the program is bloody nil now. And, and when that started to really kick in for me in mm-hmm. the mid '90s, was when I started to get bored because I had no. I couldn't. I couldn't take the end of twenty-five or six to four by Chicago and yeah. know that it went dun 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 dun, and that was the start. And do something with that, yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. Or or that it finished and we went boom, and then I'd bring, uh, you know, uh, is this the real something straight in on it and, yes. and make it, yeah. You know, yeah. 
Now, I could I could be physically creative as well as yeah. creative as a radio person. When when that started to go out of it, I got bored. You sat around. You spent twenty minutes. You walked the building. You went and made another coffee. You came back in, and the computer was still playing your fifth song in a row. And you're going, oh, yeah. Okay. But, and listening, I've, I've always said if I had a radio station, a music radio station, I would make the DJs queue up records. Everything would be off vinyl and CDs. And even Ooh. if the songs weren't even available on CDs these days, I'd burn them onto a CD and tell them you got to queue it up. Because I would just have that, as you say, that whole tactile thing with the jocks involved. And from mm. the listener's point of view, as you said, Kevin, when I'd listen to the radio, uh, something like Listen to What the Man Said by McCartney and Wings, that goes into that instrumental fade at the end, which actually bleeds into another track. Yeah, it does. And the great thing for listening to the radio was you never knew how long the jock was going to let it run. <laughs> some of them would fade it early. Some of them would let it literally go all the way to the next track and then bring the ne- And that was p- part of the fun of listening to music radio in those days. Yep. Because, mm. And now, of course, everything's, as you say, is off a computer and it's got a little pulse and the pulse will fire off the next thing. And, and the really funny thing is there's a lot of songs that even even now when, I, when I'm on the radio in Geelong, there's a lot of songs that I would fade – at that point, at say three minutes forty-three, that's when I'd come in and talk, or that's when I'd start the next song, or whatever. But because it's been done by someone who doesn't work on air, who does the pot, they might let it go another four or five seconds longer, or they might actually cut it off before that bit. It's a mm. bit. Remember the end of um, uh, "Schools Out," uh, Alice Cooper, and who? Yeah, yeah. And, yep. and who? And who gave you that? Donny Osmond. Uh, Department yeah. of Youth. A Department of Youth, sorry, not schools yeah. out. Um, and the way that finished with that, a lot of jocks used to cut that bit off and go yeah. to the next song, and you'd be driving along going, oh, Jesus. Oh, like I know, because you, you'd wait the entire song. Yeah. You'd love the song, but you you'd want wait to hear for the that little bit of the end bit. Yeah. Exactly, and, yeah. and and would be the cue for. I know I'm not saying I'm any great innovator, but for people like me and Peter Harrison and the jocks at the time, we we'd have a joke ready to go for the Donny Osmond thing or whatever. Yeah. So is it? Yeah. It yeah. kind of we were we were involved. Yeah. All of a sudden, you were involved and, with the song. And what you didn't mention was all the ads on the cartridges that you had to organise. Yeah. You know, like when you had an ad, you know, you're physically. Making sure that they go right. Oh, you play yeah. and when I first started, you played every single one. Yes. Then it went yeah. to then it went to like a, a carousel thing where yeah. the, you all you did was you hit the first one and it would play the five of them off for you or the six of them off or in SEN's case the fourteen of them off, um, <laughs> and until so you got to the end and then it would play the jingle and you would you, you would let the record go and off you'd go. But yeah, there was all sorts of you know yeah. uh, there's a reason why the angels on the end of that song put. Can you please tell me what the time is? Mm. Oh, I never thought of that. So it was every it's jock in the world. Yes. Every jock in the world went, it's 10 past two, Doc. Glad you asked. Ha <laughs> 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 oh, that's terrific. Yep. There's all that, all that sort of stuff. And that that all went when the when it all went on computer. And uh, that that was when that was when I lost the real affection. I guess, and the real yeah, passion yeah. because it it then turned. I was by that stage. I was doing breakfast. Ra- I've been doing breakfast radio anyway, but it, breakfast radio was the only kind of radio I then wanted to do. Um, yep. And then, luckily for me, I fell into uh, a bit of talk back and a bit of sports. So that that made yeah. it different. But yeah, to go back and do a straight music shift now and sit there and watch the computer play all the songs and do all the doodads, it yeah. It, Takes a You've bit got of 20, of it. 24 seconds to talk this hour. Make sure you say the time twice and the station logo four times. Oh, and talk about but, the breakfast program. <laughs> and be creative with your other two seconds that you've got to use your mind. <laughs> yeah, it's sad. It is yeah. sad. It is sad. But anyway. Well, even when I was at AW, 
you know, obviously when I by the time I got to AW, everything was computerized, but it was still pretty hands-on. And then a lot of automation and networking had come in. So I'd be in I'd be in there on a Sunday night. On a summer's Sunday night, where you'd be in there at six, seven o'clock and you'd look out the studio window and it's a beautiful day and you you knew all your mates were at the beach having a wonderful time. And rather than being on air and being involved or doing something creative for the program, you're just sitting there listening to a feed coming out of Sydney and your job was to hit the button for the news theme at the end of each oh, hour. You know, wow. I, in the end, I, I got to just looking out that window thinking, what am I doing? Yeah, This is not why I got into this. And as you say, that whole tactile thing of being involved and being part of it was just gone, which is why I would put that back and yeah. you would hear a difference on air instantly. Oh, I don't have well, any doubt about that. If, if, I re- sorry, go sorry. on. Mate. I reckon it's true not just of radio, though. Uh, I saw the same sort of thing happen at sports, but, you know, when I was first there and I was a smaller company, you know, I was pretty much the chief creative and I'd write radio ads, I'd record the radio ad. And then once it becomes a really big corporate thing, it's like, okay, you, Kev, Ken, you guys used to get the the potato, peel the potato, chop it up, put the the chips into the frying pan, get it out, get the oil off the thing, salt it, then present it to people. But then when it becomes a big corporate, okay, Kev, you're going to peel the potatoes. Okay, Ken, you're going to chop them. Somebody else is going to put them in the oil. Somebody else is going to do that. So, and before you know it, you've got a really mundane job because big corporates, corporations want everybody to be so replaceable. Mm. Mm. Yeah, mm. very yeah. true. And it all becomes about uh, ideas. There's no uh, – and I'm lucky that I, the radio station I work in now actually still does have announcers meetings where the, all the people on the air get in a, in a room somewhere if we can or by Zoom and actually talk about the things that are coming up and, and, oh, can we do it this way? Have you thought about – and you'll actually swap ideas. That hasn't happened in commercial radio for me anyway until the last six months. It was prior to that. There were no meetings about ideas or anything. Everything was just given to you from above and they'd say, we're doing this. Yeah, we're doing, we're doing this. Whereas I can remember sitting in meeting rooms when I was at 3XY and, and Triple M and even Fox and we'd be going, why don't we do this thing where – we take, uh, yeah. you know, we, we throw people in a giant uh, mixing machine and they have to pull 20 bucks out of it or whatever. You know, you just yeah. come up with yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not anymore. Yeah, that's – and, you know, if you think about, say, you know, say radio station now and, as you say, all of the, the things coming down, here's what you've got to do. So there's probably, you know, 16 people upstairs making those decisions because no one person can. And then you've got all this middle management and bullshit you reckon if you went back to, okay, I've got a station manager, I've got 10 DJs, um, some salespeople and a couple of marketing people, you know, you suppose you had about 20. Do you reckon you could make a good radio station who gave yeah, everybody a little, bit more, a little bit more, you know, take charge of what you're doing? Yeah. Oh, no, definitely. And I, think, I think they'd be a lot happier. And you see that in I see that in Geelong where that that actually happens in the in the radio station. I'm not telling stories out of school about, it, but that's that's what goes on down there and, and that. But uh, corporately, twenty you say ten announcers uh, in city radio that'd uh, that'd pretty much cover five five stations probably. Mm. Oh really? Whereas whereas I, I looked at a roster. Someone sent me a roster the other day from I think it was an old three XY roster from eighty two or eighty three. And we had 10 announcers on the staff. It was, it was like, and I reckon that might even be less than what we actually had. But, you know, we had we had a breakfast Ooh. announcer, morning, afternoons, drive, two nighttime announcers, 
three mid-dawners, a couple of uh, weekend casuals as well. Um, so, yeah, now you've got two people maybe across the day if you're lucky. Wow. And, and, mm. and maybe one of them's not even in the city that they're broadcasting in. Yeah. Uh, and you've got you've got a breakfast and a drive show and then nights is usually syndicated out of somewhere for seven or eight different markets minimum, maybe more like 40. Um, there's a Triple M everywhere in the country now, not just in the capital cities. Like there's Triple M, you know, Townsville and Triple M Toowoomba and Triple M bloody uh, Horsham Bar and uh, Horsham, whatever, yeah. yeah. And do they all play the same songs? Uh, I think there's a differentiation between the city and there's a city play. There's a well, they've got, they've got about say, five, five Brisbane, or six. Brisbane and Sydney. Are they listening to the same songs? Uh, probably, mostly, yeah, they would mm. be it, when when they go to music sort of areas. Yeah, they would be. Yeah, there'd be a capital city um, format for uh, you know for. The rock station and a and a capital city format for the uh, the middle of the road uh, stroke uh, lighter sort so of the station. days like in the eighties was like when it's like Queensland in Adelaide are playing the shit out of our songs and Newcastle loves it. Sydney won't pick us up yet, and Perth are really slow as well. Melbourne says they're going to pick it up. Those kind of days are gone. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look at the, have a listen now to stations so when you when you just listening songs like Summer Breeze. Um, in Brisbane, the Seals and Cross version was the hit. In Melbourne, it was Stylus. Ace, um, uh, How Long? Uh, Scandal had a big version of that in Melbourne. Um, wasn't hardly played in, in Brisbane. I was in Brisbane for these oh. ones. So in Brisbane, it's a, it should the Ace version gets played, the Paul Carrick version. Um, there's all those sorts of little nuances around the place, and there's, there's things that if, if we do charts, like some of those 3XY charts from the 70s that we've done, there are songs there that weren't that I I didn't know as hits in Brisbane. They weren't hits in Brisbane. They were hits in Melbourne. Yeah, it's in Adelaide. Adelaide had Adelaide charts are so different. The Adelaide charts of the seventies and eighties are so different from Melbourne and Sydney and Brisbane charts. And that's what was really cool about it because yeah. every state had their own kind of little thing. Like I remember going to Queensland, and the radiators and Hootagurus My Girl was getting thrashed up here, and I loved My Girl by Hootagurus. And the radiators were huge up here. But, you know, Melbourne, the radiators couldn't get arrested. And My Girl didn't hardly get played at all in Melbourne. Yep. Yep. And there were there was a lot of that. There were bands that had, I mean, there were bands like The Sect um, and uh, the Avengers and bands in Brisbane in the late 60s, early 70s who had hits who didn't have any action at all in Sydney or Melbourne. Um, there were bands in Melbourne in the 80s. Like the Orphans weren't big anywhere else but Melbourne. No, I don't Hop, think. Skip, jump. Yeah, that oh, was, mm. Rowan Connolly loves them. Um, the Runners were, were big. <laughs> were big in Melbourne in the eighties. Um, I don't. Uh, I don't think they were big anywhere else. Short was a surefire thing. Surefire yeah. thing. Yeah, Paul Norton. Yeah, yep. yeah, Paul. Yeah. yeah. Or Mark Edwards was the singer at that point. But yeah, um, Paul. Uh, Paul was in the Runners though, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He was the bass player. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, yeah, but and yeah, songwriter. There were there were things that were just uh, you know I mean Matter Lake were massive in Melbourne I know but they weren't that big in Brisbane. Mm. No, I'm not sure why they were so big in Melbourne. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da. 
Oh, oh my brother, on, and he'd have parties and everybody would be drunk, you know, about 15, <laughs> 16, and they'd play the shit out of that. They'd all be pissed going, no, 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 Well, you and didn't have to have any I musical ability sick. at all to, to do that. Well, that's the whole point. My brother has a lot of musical ability. I don't know what the f*** went wrong with him on that, that particular couple of years. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's interesting looking at that whole, the whole, you know, the whole corporatisation, I call it, of everything. And, Brian, you'd notice this in, in rock and roll. I loved rock and roll shows in the 70s when I was growing up mm. because they're, they're what I would call spontaneous. Mm. And the band would feed off the crowd. Now, I'm talking, I guess, more arena-type shows now. Yeah. But I, I remember an interview with Keith Richards once where somebody was saying, oh, you know, you've got such a catalogue and the audience are calling out for so many songs. You know, it must be great to have such a catalogue of material to choose from. And he said, well, you know, it's, it's a different scene these days because you can't suddenly go into Ruby Tuesday and the lights are going off for Jumpin' Jack Flash. It, yeah, right. You know, it's and you'd know, Brian, that everything's at those size shows. Everything's yep. a lot more like like radio and like television mm -hmm. these days. Everything's planned down to the second. They're they're choreographed. Okay, Keith, you will walk to this spot here where the spot will hit you. You go down yep. on your knees, yeah. and then the camera will be there. Okay, while Charlie's doing this bit, Ron, if you could come over here so we can see the back of what Charlie's doing, and we see your faces, so we've got a better picture. And there's all that sort of shit going on. Yeah, it's it's almost like doing um, uh, theatre now. Mm. You know, not that not that my shows ever are, but um, isn't that know, sad? Because I mean, I know I saw a set list the other day from Ringo Starr's uh, All Star Band on on the road now, and they've got the set list all done. That's all you know, very carefully sort of planned out and stuff. Whereas it would be nice just to go, hey boys, why don't we do Lady Madonna tonight and just bang yeah. out? But you yeah. can't yeah. do that anymore. No. Well, you could because the lighting guy's probably got scenes that he's set. So, okay, so for Ruby Tuesday, that's a computer setting of, say, number 72. You know, you've got a bank of stuff. And so number 72 is Ruby Tuesday. That means the lights go red and blue and green and we've got the various lights ready to go and those ones are turned off and these ones are turned on. So he'd have a whole bank of... You know, the Stones said, okay, look, we're going to not start with Start Me Up tonight. We're going to start with Jumpin' Jack Flash. That would mean he'd have to move, say, Jumpin' Jack Flash's, you know, lighting bank number 13 to number one and put number one where number 13 is. So oh, it, it'd, be, it'd be a bit fiddly, but they could do it. Why do we take everything and turn it into a mathematical logarithm uh, mm -hmm. as a way to do things rather than sort of like go – Let's fly, let's have fun. Let's fly this thing. Let's you know. Let's see where it goes. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you why, kids. Because we're. Hey, <laughs> 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 I've, I've got a question for you on another uh, matter. Okay. Um, you know what's happening in Florida is um, terrible. They're saying that like you know ninety percent might have to be rebuilt, and it's you know. It's hurricane. Then, you know, hurricane. Now, this is what I want to ask you about. Mm. Now, it used to be, you know, hurricanes always named after girls yeah. or cyclones. Yeah, right. Jesus and they said, hang on, this is, this is a bit sexist. So, you know, they've got Hurricane Ian. Yep. Oh, and why Ian? Oh, because he's a white privileged guy, so he's a prick, so we'll make him. <laughs> now, why don't we have 
Hurricane Giuseppe or Hurricane Abdul, <laughs> Hurricane Muhammad. I think these hurricane naming is quite racist. My God, I have a I have a thing written you can't see, but I have a thing on the top of this page of my worksheet for this thing of the topic. My my little ranting topic today was going to be about hurricane naming. What is what 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 have you got? There, well, Jeff? I uh, I thought about the 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 you know why don't we name why isn't there hurricane Sunul and hurricane uh, yeah. you know Sandeep and all that uh, because they are now part of the inclusive nature of all you know hurricane Mad Jack. Hurricane, or you know, all those things that we Hurricane Kitsin Thong. But I, I, I mean, Ian's turned out to be an enormously um, horrible, a uh, bloody uh, killer of a hurricane, Tandem. and yet it's Ian, a dreadful name too. Ian is just one of the most innocuous names of a human being, I reckon, on the planet. I mean, I thought sporting wise, apart from Chapel and and Botham, Ian's the most like Ian Baker Finch. What a nice bloke. Mm. Ian, Ian, least, Ian Redpath. What a, at least put a B and an R in front of you, stupid Ian. Brian. Jeez, <laughs> oh, I just realised that. <laughs> that makes me feel even more depressed Brian. about my name. See, I'd get upset if, if that was Cyclone Kev ravaging mm. Florida. I'd be shitty. Because the amount be of. Yeah, you'd you'd like it. Don't <laughs> I love the idea of ravaging Florida. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, though. It needs to be, and I actually think. Surna- uh, Christian names is wrong. I think it's wrong. It should be. It should be surnames. Oh, you know, like so. <laughs> if you, for instance, Hur- if you t- change Hurricane- that one, Hurricane, Hurricane Hillier, Hurricane Hillier, Hurricane <laughs> Biden. It's just a very, very light. <laughs> it's a little Zephyr just going. Through. But you know, Hurricane Botham. If you, instead of Ian, Hurricane Botham, like Ooh. whoa, yeah, okay, whoa. Yeah, it says something. Hurricane Chapelli, you know, yeah. that's got a bit of woo-foo about it. But Ian? Mm. Hurricane Hussein. See, that, uh, you know, all yeah, those ones. Go. I'm pretty freaking scared I've got a hurricane named after Saddam Hussein. Yeah, well, Hurricane Saddam, you know, why don't we have Saddam, that? Hurricane Saddam. Yeah, gee, and I was worried about mentioning you off your Indy. Oh, yeah, no, we're ticking all the boxes tonight, Kenny. Uh, don't you worry. Uh, right. You won't be getting out of this one alive, I can tell you. you we haven't really that. got into the gutter yet, though. There's been, you know, no, you know, ridiculous W in oh, we'll the double entendres no. yet. Mariah, oh, Mariah Carey's in this chart. We'll get there. Oh, that's slut. <laughs> of all the podcasts that Finey's mum could have listened to, he's not here. Uh, well, that isn't uh, his mother sick? Is his mother sick? Yeah, his mother's not yeah. well. Yeah. Well, she probably listened to the podcast last week <laughs> yeah. and listened to right. Yes. I think, um, I think he's well, gone around to offer his, his uh, sincere apologies. apologies. <laughs> well, look, if, if Lucy's not well, we, we wish her very, yeah, very well. Absolutely. She's a lovely lady and yeah. she's, you know, she's no spring chicken. She's 92, so... Yep. You know, she needs all the help she can get. So yeah. get, get well soon, Lucy. Absolutely. Now let's talk a little bit of sport and then we'll get into the chart. Um, mm. Brian Essendon yes. got a coach. Well done. And, and, yeah. a, and a chief executive officer as well today. Well, yeah. and Got them both I now. I kind of predicted the, uh, the CEO, didn't I? But unintentionally because my mail was that they were going for Greg Swan from Brisbane. Mm. and. To disguise it, I said, oh, you know, it might be a CEO from a bank or something. You know, I don't know. 
and it turns out it was a CEO from a bank. So I was wrong. I was right, but I didn't think I was, but it turned out I was. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. And look, I think um, uh, Brad Scott is probably the best available option for us. Um, I've heard he's got a bit of prick in him, which is exactly what the Bombers need. We need a prick of a coach and we need a prick well, of a captain. Well, you saw him play. He wasn't exactly Mr. Nice Guy when he played. And, and, he, and he's, he's, you know, he played under Lee Matthews, so that's got to yep. help. And then he, you know, he took North Melbourne to two preliminary finals. So he was an assistant at Fremantle. Took uh, North Melbourne to two preliminary finals with a pretty ordinary squad. Um and, okay, he's been out of the game for three years, but he's been a football analysis for the three years, so he's going to know how every team plays. So, you know, uh, you know, we'll see after round one whether I'm screaming, sack that coach. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be disappointed if you're not, uh, almost. Well, it's happened about the last four years in a row, hasn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty yeah, much. Yeah, so, but, you know, I, I know I'm, I'm quite pleased. Okay, good. Mm. Good. So things yeah. are thing, but what about what about Sheedy publicly coming out and saying no, you've don't tell lies. I, it wasn't it wasn't unanimous. It wasn't uh, totally endorsed by the board because I voted for James Heard. Well, did somebody ask him or did you just Twitter it? I believe he volunteered that information when the press release or whatever it was came out saying that Brad Scott's appointment was fully endorsed by the board. She'd said, don't tell Porky's. Now, I don't know whether someone asked him that or whether he just well, volunteered that information. What does it matter? You know, like, you know, I mean, Sheed, why, why, why is this so important to you? Because he, he wanted herds. Yeah, and I think he wanted uh, – I think uh, clearly if, if, if he did volunteer that information, Kevin wanted people to know that he voted for Heard. not that he didn't vote for Brad Scott, but that he voted for, for, for James. Oh, uh, well, maybe, yeah, maybe it's a sign of support for James. I think, I think it's a, a – uh, you know, some support for for James more than it is a uh, a black mark against Brad yeah. Scott and Adam Uzo is probably the one who's um, the one that's most disenfranchised out of all this because he's missed another senior coaching job and from what all, all reports that I've heard he's uh, he's ready to go he's very good. Well, I don't think we could afford to have you know he could be just another Ben Rutten. he could be another. So could Brad Scott. So could Brad Scott. Oh, you I, don't know yet. Well, Brad Scott. He's got better credentials than assistant coaches. He's done it all. And yeah, but remember, Brian, who he's coaching. He's coaching that rabble of yours at Essendon. <laughs> well, as Daryl calls him, the filth. Yeah, the filth. <laughs> yeah, he's coaching the filth. So what hope he's he coaching got? the filth. You know. <laughs> What's your thoughts on this, Ken? <laughs> I'm, I'm actually amazed that people seem to have – there seems to be a real deep-seated hatred for Essendon. Yep. Now, whether this has come out of the whole – Controversy that happened. No, and that's I, just and that's just their supporters. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I don't remember in the era that I grew up through the seventies and early mid eighties. I don't remember that hatred being there. I, I remember it, of course, for Collingwood and for Carlton. And I grew up hating Carlton more than I hated Collingwood. But I don't mm. remember that hatred being there for for Essendon. But there seems to be a real deep seated hatred. Hawthorne. I know some people who absolutely love the Hawthorne Football Club who cannot stand Essendon above above and beyond every other team in the league. Oh, yeah. They talk hate to, Essendon. Talk to Dermy and those players from that Hawthorne era. They, they hate Essendon. And and yeah. I hate mm. I learned to hate Essendon with a passion in the mid-'80s when their supporters turned into the most arrogant, feral bunch of um, 
pieces no, of hang on, wait pieces of human think, excrement I've had the misfortune think, to come across. Ninety, ninety. <laughs> I, I think. Oh, there you are, Two thousand. We were accused of being the most arrogant supporters in the. Yeah, well, you know, we've we've learned humility over the last twenty years, and um, we're ready to get arrogant again. Good luck with that. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to get arrogant with the club. You know, Gold Coast, here I come if they don't fire up the next year. Yep. Okay, realistically then, as a as an Essendon supporter mm-hmm. and what you've been through over, say, the last decade, so to say. Yep. Uh, no, no, since 2002 we've been yes. shit-ass. Okay, so, so what are your thoughts realistically on success for the club? Because speaking as a St Kilda supporter, we go into each season not having any hope for any magical prospects whatsoever. So I, I've now totally forgotten what it's like to go in with any sort of hope. I don't see any prospect of St Kilda playing in not only a grand final, but any finals. I don't see them having success. They just don't seem to have that culture. There is something terribly yeah. wrong. Whereas Essendon have had it and had it in your lifetime and gone through a difficult period. So as an Essendon supporter now, moving mm. forward with Brad Scott, are mm. you hopeful? Do you see success well, ahead? or? Well, that's why I think it's a fairly good appointment because I think his credentials are pretty good. And I just think we've been too soft with the players since um, the, you know, the drug bullshit drug scandal. Um, and so it was like, oh, you guys, okay, you know, it was awful what you went through. You know, that's over. You know, kick him up the arse and tell him what they're delivering is not good enough. And he seems like the big enough prick to do that. And I want a prick, um, prick uh, captain. You know, the heckle's too nice. That's, you know, we, we're sick of being nice. No more new Mr. Nice Guy. Let's just, you know, if you don't deliver, then fuck off. Um, and, you know, that's what they've done. Right. But, you know, the, the focus has always been on money. We've got $3 million spare in the salary cap. We've got money coming out of our ass down the club. We've got the best facilities. We've got everything. But we haven't been focusing on the football. And I was pleased to hear the president say that, they're resetting where the focus is on winning games of football because that's what the core business is. You know, it's all well and good to do land deals and deals with the government shit, but it's not what the fans want. You know, so, they've given oh, us yeah. shit so for 20 years. I'm going to ask the question, why the hell aren't football clubs focusing on winning football games? Yeah. Isn't there, yeah. What the f*** are they there to do then? Oh, because they've got, you've got corporate people in there. So no, for well, piss, I've got piss all that off. Side of it. Piss yeah. it all off. Ooh. Seriously, it's like because if you're not winning about. games, what are you doing? Correct. Well, the rest of it's totally immaterial. And yeah. I get this from I get this from St Kilda. I get all the emails. I get all the paraphernalia, and it's this round, and it's that round. We're supporting this cause, oh, and this here jumper. we are. We're doing this. Yeah, and yeah. We got this, and then we, you know, and all we want is to win some bloody games. Yeah, correct. And if, we win some, and if you win some games, we'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> and even when you're getting your ass kicked, we're still there, especially St uh, Kilda supporters. Oh, my God. And that's, you know, I think one of the key things that management of a football club has to do is has to sell hope to their supporters so that mm. you think next year, well, shit, we could be anything. You know, whether that turns out to be true or not, at least you might get four or five rounds where you're really positive about your team. Yeah. Um, and I don't, as you say, I don't know. What are you looking forward to? Have you got hope for St Kilda next year? No. <laughs> I haven't oh, had oh, it. Oh, and oh. See, no prospects. <laughs> With a couple of really good draft pickups 
help you or, you know, some free agent or something. I, I, I honestly think there's something wrong with the culture at the club. I don't think mm. they have that winning culture. I think it's been so long with just one premiership, which wasn't even in my lifetime. So I've yeah. never, never known that winning feeling. And I just think there's a whole culture of, well, you know, we got one and probably, well, they were good. probably they won't were good. get another and, look, we'll, you know, we'll turn up and, hey, but, you know, we're part of the community and we'll support the causes and, and as Kevin said, you know, we'll wear this jumper and we'll do that. And and that all it seems to be overriding the fact that what we want you to do is actually win some bloody games. Yeah. And you know what? You know, part of that is too, and it's another thing that I, one of my pet hates about all this, about how it's good enough to be an AFL footballer. Well, actually, it's not. It's actually mm. really important to be an AFL footballer who plays in a winning team. Lee Brown said something to me during the year uh, on the radio show. He said, after a game, uh, he saw a whole bunch of players shaking each other's hands, patting each other on the back, and he said, if I was the coach, I would have told my team to get off the ground, get back in the change rooms. You're paid to win football games. That's your job. You're not doing that. So get off the ground and stop with all that bullshit. Um, and and so- once again, we get back to those freaking forwards getting 700 grand a year, and, you know, from 10 set shots in front of goal, they'll miss, they'll miss six or seven of them. And... You know, you get paid seven hundred grand to kick a kick a, kick, a, kick a ball straight from a set shot. You know, you got a free kick, and as you pointed out a couple of weeks ago, Kevin, that doesn't even you know their stats don't talk about the ones that fell short yeah. or went out of bounds on the full. That stats don't show that. But the kicking of the game is absolutely atrocious. Yeah, and and. You know, like I, you watch an old game, you go, shit, they, they get nearly every goal. And you watch the Rugby League Grand Final the other night and, you know, those guys kicking, they had uh, – Penrith had a pretty bad night with the kicking. I think they only got about 50%, which was pretty poor for them. But generally they get eight out of ten of them. Yes. yes. You know, the standards, it's just too – like what we were talking about before with radio – you know, becomes too corporatized. Once big money gets involved, everything gets fucked up. Yeah. You know, same as religion, same as freaking everything. You know, the idea starts out really good, and then money gets involved, and too many people get involved, and it just gets fucked up and polluted and diluted. Well, you God forget, I mean, you forget the essence of what it's all. About. <laughs> uh, well, you forget the essence of what it's all about. I mean, for 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 radio, it's providing entertainment for uh, you know a, a large audience. In an intimate style, which is what radio should be for football. But, but is it now? No, is it now? No, it's or not. Is it now all about now? No, it's not. Yeah, but winning the ratings and selling advertising. Exactly. And for football clubs, it's about winning football games. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, not about core- not about how many members memberships you sell. Not about your merchandise arm. Not about whether you've got no. a better pride jumper or a better indigenous jumper or a better, you know, whatever it is jumper that you've got. It's not about any of that stuff. I mean, that, that's part of what it is now, but that's not really what it's about. What it's about is your team runs out on Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon, Sunday morning, Sunday night, whenever they play, and they win a game of footy. Mm. Or, or, you, or they really come close and they try their guts out, but you walk into that game and you think, shit, we're a big chance here today. Whereas, you know, how many games are you going, oh, we're getting killed? You know, that's just that's just shit out. You just get disillusioned with the whole game. But just trying to tie the whole show in together, um, <laughs> if radio stations, right, just play good music and put a good show, same as football teams, just win, um, then everything else takes care of itself. It's like mm. a band, you know. If you have a good band and you play well and you've got good songs and shit, 
Well, you might start off doing shit work and stuff, but it will get better because you're good. And I think that's the same with radio. I think it's the same with football. And I think the world is just (laughs) (laughs) You know, the only other thing I thought today, and I was listening around uh, driving in my car, and the only thing I thought is that the unfortunate thing about a lot of entertainment now is it's based on the experience of, uh, you know, Share share with us your your cancer story, or share with us your oh, sto- all that stuff is now becoming the premise for entertainment. And I admit I'm I'm an old curmudgeon, but I I'm uncomfortable with a lot of that. I don't I don't say it shouldn't be done, but I'm uncomfortable with that being one of the major premises for everything that becomes this the entertainment. Te- this contestant on the Voice has got a great backstory. We've got to get yeah, it. Right. Has this contestant yeah. on the Voice got a good voice? Because yeah. at the end of the that's day, that's all that should matter. Yeah, uh, the backstory is nice and all that stuff. I I understand that's where we've taken things now, but the premise for the entertainment is all coming back to that, not actually what is for me entertainment. I I turn the radio on. I want to laugh. I want to have it. I don't necessarily, even though I am and uh, I think an empathetic person, I, I don't necessarily turn the radio on at nine o'clock in the morning to want to cry with someone who's sharing their cancer story. Or their, or their story of abandonment or whatever it is. I'm, I'm just really struggling with some of that stuff lately. We're just tying this show up with a perfect theme. It's got a real theme tonight's show. <laughs> but, what, what, but what Ken said before, like the ARIA Awards, it's about a TV show. It's not about music. It's about patting themselves on the back, but it's about selling advertising and ratings and bullshit like that, which it, it shouldn't be. You know, if you've got good product... It'll take care of itself. Yeah, yeah, you'd hope so. Yeah. So let's mm. get let's get to let's get to the chart. Yeah. I'm so, glad I asked Brian that. Yeah, good. So you started this, Ken. <laughs> Sorry, um, we had a perfect <laughs> had a perfectly normal little thing until you came in, Francis. <laughs> Kenny oh, Francis. It's been the most intelligent show we've done it's for a, months. It's a beauty. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed the discussion tonight. Thank you very much, Ken, for jumping in at the last minute and yeah, being. You've done well, and 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 actually. Bringing some form of sensibility out in both Mannix and myself. <laughs> well, I don't know how I, that I, happened. I think what we've learned here tonight, Keith, is that the reason the show can get shit out and right in the gutter is not my fault. <laughs> it must seem like <laughs> But, you know. Oh, no, you know what? Oh, even when Finey knows his 92 year old mum <laughs> is. On listening to the show, he's talking about if he was a lesbian and all of these saying fucking no. second word. And you, I only said tonight because I knew Lucy won't be listening. And you know, you know, the other thing we discovered having getting you an hour earlier is also pretty handy too. Just <laughs> now, number uh, this oh, well. this chart from September in uh, nineteen ninety seven. You know, it wasn't a bad year for the world. Not September nineteen ninety seven, unless you turned the radio on. <laughs> and then you heard number ten. Hard to say I'm sorry by as yet, featuring Peter Cetera. Number Who the nine. Peter Cetera. <laughs> Peter Cetera from Chicago, the lead singer of Chicago. Number nine, Honey by Mariah Carey. The, weird, the, the worst film clip ever made in the history of film clips. Yeah, she overweight and dressed like she's thin. Uh, no, no, like no, no. This, is not, no. this is 1997. She was in very, very tip-top nick, I must admit. But I'm telling you, the film clip is the worst film clip you've ever seen. Go and watch it because it starts off as like a James Bond-type film and then there's all these things that happen and then she's in the middle of it. She jumps into a pool. She escapes from being uh, tied to a chair 
And th- then she jumps uh, from a better a balcony where you are, Brian, into a pool below her. And uh, for some unbelievable chemical reaction, her clothes disappear. Her <laughs> dress disappears, and she jumps out of the pool wearing a very scanty skin covered uh, coloured uh, bikini, and then goes into a tent where there just happens to be a wetsuit-type thing for her to put on and all the zipper things that go with all that you're seeing, bits popping in and out here and there and everywhere, it is quite quite remarkably tasteless. Number eight. Well, just a second on that, Kev. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, Mariah had too much chlorine in the pool, forcing (laughs) her clothes to, the thread of her clothes to break. Uh, But as Ken was saying before the show, uh, when we were just chatting before we started recording, you know, that he wouldn't Mariah Carey in a fit because, you know, she might be good to root, but he'd have to talk to her afterwards. And the idea of that wasn't worth whatever pleasure she might give you in the bed. Number and I, 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 I really respect your frankness, Ken. Thank you. Oh, well, you know, call it as it is. <laughs> Taking one for the team again, Ken. Number eight, Semi-Charmed Life by Third Eyed Blind. Good song. Number seven. See you when you get there. By um, I don't, I've got no idea. Uh, number six. How, hey, see how, you when you get there. We're not going. <laughs> <laughs> number six. How come? How long? By Babyface. Number five. How do I live? This is in the chart twice. Uh, the highest rating position. Breathe, you asshole. Breathe. <laughs> <laughs> how do I live? By Trisha Yearwood. Number four. Bitch. Uh, by uh, Meredith Brooks. Number three, where's the love? Oh. Um, number it's two. In the top drawer in my bedroom. <laughs> yes. Number two, I'll be missing you, Puff Daddy and Faith Evans. And number one is Men in Black by Will Smith. Oh, f- I'm telling you, there's some very suspect stuff there. But when you go down, the stuff that isn't in the top ten, you drop down underneath that and, by geez, it just gets worse. Uh, where's oh the love was by Hanson? I should have said that. Uh, so, your quest and your mission, gentlemen, was to find three good and three bad. I found two songs in this that made music in the nineties almost breathable. Almost. One's very, very good. One I, I must admit, one I do really, really like. I, two of them I really, really like. But, geez, I'm struggling to find a third good one. Ken, you're going to get the pleasure of starting as you're opening the batting tonight. Cheapest. Number three, good, and number Boy, three, bad. Talk about struggle. Yeah. <laughs> oh. um, all right. Mm-hmm. I'll surprise you off the top of the bat. I'll go um, – look, I'll go my third, bad yeah. first. Yeah. Uh, and there's stuff on this chart that I don't even remember. Yeah, And I was correct. actually going to go – I was going to go back and have a listen because I, I figured if I don't remember it, it's got to be really bad. Because mm-hmm. the stuff that I remember on here that's bad is bad. Yep. So that if I don't remember them, they must I must have obliterated them from my memory. But um, couldn't bring myself to do it. But gee, there's enough bad stuff on there to uh, to choose from. But um, I had that a, I grew up. I, I I actually created a special list, a fourth list for me for this week. It was stuff I'm not going to put myself through. All right. <laughs> <laughs> which was which is the rest of the other. <laughs> Well, yeah. it's the rest of the chart, basically. There's 39 but, in that list at the moment. Yes. <laughs> my, my third worst, mm-hmm. and it's because a song, it's a song that I grew up absolutely loving because it was all over the radio when I was a kid, but I Say a Little Prayer by Diana yes. King takes every part of that song that I loved 
and puts it in the bin and leaves us with one of the worst cover versions of all time. I hated this cover version. And to remind myself, because I haven't listened to it since 1997 when it was on the radio, I actually went back and had a listen. I listened to about 30 seconds of it, and it's as much as I could take. It is terrible. Mm. It's terrible because it's such a great song. Yeah, I agree. Couldn't agree more. She completely pasteurised it, didn't she? Yeah, totally. Interesting, Kev, that before we came on, Ken and I were talking, and he mentioned Diana (laughs) King, and he said that there is no way he would root her because he'd have to listen to her demos. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, What's your number three good then? Uh, Okay, here we go. You ready? I'm, I'm tossing up whether to do because I struggled to find three good ones until I squinted and found that there was probably four good ones. I'm tossing up because I reckon I've got an equal third good. Okay. Look how yeah, disciplined I am. Look how disciplined I am not to react to tossing up. <laughs> <laughs> Please go on, Ken. A third good? Yep. Okay, I'll do an equal. This is like watching Countdown in the 70s when they had equal, equal number four. Yep. I'll do equal number three. I really loved Tonics. If you could only see, yeah, in September 1997. Yep. it's a great song. It's a great lyric. The fact that I was going through a bit of a relationship breakup at the time might have uh, influenced my love of the song. Yep, but I really, really like that song, and it sounded great on the radio. Anything sounded great on the radio, and amongst, amongst all that stuff. That's true. But I actually missed this song when I initially uh, looked at the chart because, well, I didn't remember it ever getting up that high. But I actually met these guys back in 1997. They played to the biggest audience they'd ever played to at that point when they toured Australia. All right. They played to 30,000 people in a shopping centre car park at the Southland Shopping Centre. It was to that point the biggest crowd that they'd ever played to. Wow. They were seen, obviously, as a teen sensation when they were here. But I met them and spoke to them. And I've actually seen them live twice since. And they're coming to Australia and they'll be here in November. And I will probably go and see them again because they are incredibly talented. They're really, really good. They are everything that we've talked about tonight. They're everything that's not corporate. They can put on a show and entertain and go with the flow. And that is Hanson. Yep. And that Where's the Love, everyone everyone remembers Mbop, of course. Mm. But then when I heard Where's the Love, that is just a killer pop song. And if you compare that to the stuff that's on the charts today and the stuff that's in that 1997 chart, go back and have a listen to Hanson. Have a listen to the guitar and the band. Okay, you got those kids' voices, but those kids were really, really talented, and that's why they're still going. That's why they continue to come to Australia, continue to sell out, because they've got an audience of people who know that they can see past that mbop as being the, the novelty because they are really, really talented, those brothers, and they are a great band. They're great live. and. Where's the Love is a great pop record. Yep. No argument here. And I knew I saw they were touring. Um, I saw an interview with them oh, a couple of months back uh, when they announced the tour. Uh, and they seem like really fun blokes, actually. Yep. Really level headed and uh, not, uh, you know, not uh, feds. They, were, they seemed really good. So, no, good choice. Well done. Um, and Tonic's a good song. Ken was saying it before the show. <laughs> Brian, that's enough. That he, that he would like to have. A, you know, a conversation with the, the guys from Hanson, but no sex. Yeah. Now we covered pretty much everything. Yeah. All right. What's but your? Don't you play me their demos? Yeah. What's your three? <laughs> what's your? What's your worst 
No, I'm going to go for my best first because Ooh, I just, I'm just like to tie everything up in a neat bow tonight. Yeah. And I totally agree with what Ken just said about Hanson. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go for number 38 as my third best, Mbop. Um, oh. And because I did, my son had the album. I listened to the whole album, you know, because he loved it. You know, he did a little, you know, about five or six or whatever it was. And um, I listened to the album and Mbop to me it sounds very much like early Jackson Five. Mm, you know, yeah, it, it could does. be rock yep. and it could be on the Rock and Robin or you know ABC One Two Three. Now nobody hangs shit on those songs, but I think Mbop is right up there with ABC and um, Rock and Robin and you know a lot of that early Jackson stuff. So no, I've got I've got no um, problem with Hanson. I think they're great and. Um, you know, they, they didn't get better looking as they got older, but they can't help that, so that's okay. <laughs> that's that's be, that's a that's a big statement coming from you. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I did. <laughs> yeah, look at me now, I'm, Jesus, I'm good looking. Um, now I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to be a bit like uh, Ken here, uh, Kev. Yeah. Because you know, as I said earlier, I, once the '90s came along and I heard how much shit music was being played, I kind of went to, you know, I can tell you what Neil Mitchell was talking about in, on this particular day, but I don't really know a lot of these songs. Mm-hmm. So I, and whew, I'm going to put, um, I don't know, um, what sounds really shit house? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Almost everything. You were meant for me. What the hell is going on here? That's 22. true. That's not a bad song. Is it? No, I don't mind that one. Did I say number 22? No, I meant number 24, Insomnia, by uh, Faithless. I don't know what they're trying to prove, Kev. <laughs> I didn't, but that was in my list of don't listen to this, Kev. Don't put yourself through it. Well, I, I, I got your list and I took that <laughs> advice. Because <laughs> <laughs> by that stage I'd listened to a couple of things that had really, uh, honestly, just about ruined my day. Um, so bad were they. Uh, so that's your number three bad insomnia. Yeah, that'll do. Okay. Oh, look, I really apart from the three that I pick, or it might be another one that doesn't fit in. Everything else is shit. It's bad. It's yeah, shit. Yeah. I agree. There's a lot of there's a lot of very ordinary stuff in here, and uh, nothing. Uh, there's they're going to be two more ordinary for me. But the Nadia Comaneci of uh, 1997 uh, 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 was a little person called Quindon Tava. Now, Quindon Tava did a version of When Doves Cry for the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack, I'm gathering, and uh, someone should have taken him out the back and, and dealt with him in in, uh, in an appropriate manner, um, as in like wrung his neck and stopped him from singing because uh, when doves cry, doves, wouldn't, uh, doves would have suicided. They would have actually <laughs> flown into the side of buildings on hearing this, the vocal gymnastics at the start of it are just, uh, just, uh, it's unbelievably appalling. It's just awful, awful. And I'm, you know, Prince, Prince, sometimes I like to listen to and sometimes I can't stand to listen to. But uh, when Doves Cry, when Prince does it, is listenable. When Quindon Tarver does it, it is just bloody awful. Dreadful, Before dreadful the- song. Before the show, Ken was telling me about how he punched oh. the shit out of <laughs> and I said, "Good on you, mate." Anyway, sorry to interrupt. And what sort of a name is Quindon anyway? Just quietly, um, Cyclone Quindon. Hello, off the yeah. off the coast of uh, of Mauritius right now, Cyclone Quindon. Yeah, well, yeah. Okay, uh, and my number three good 
uh, a lovely little song, this one, and uh, one of the one of the rare little gems in this is uh, even when I'm sleeping. Yes, I agree. Okay. Which yeah. which is, a, I think, just a nice little song from uh, Leonardo's Bright and uh, Rebecca Barnard, I think, is uh, sings that. Um, and Beck's got a lovely voice, and uh, and yeah. that that's just a a really nice little song. Um, yeah. I almost put Jewel in there because I didn't mind that Jewel song. Um, but uh, yeah, even when I'm sleeping, I'm happy to have that as my number three. It's a beautiful vocal, Kev. Yeah, and, lovely. Um, just trying to try tie the whole show together. Yeah. What did you say? Her name was Melissa Barnard. No, Rebecca Barnard. You'd know Rebecca, Rebecca. Barnard. Well, Rebecca's a lovely girl, she and is. Uh, I've got utmost respect, and I love her voice, but. Getting, just tying the footy in, I think she might be related to Paul Barnard in Play Fair, <laughs> and Hawthorne. Just tying it all up. Well, she's. I think she's got a couple of children who play the Yarraville Football Club, so uh, she's, uh, she's a very, very she nice human well being. Very nice God human being, you. Beck. Now, number two, good and bad, Kenny. All right. Second of the bad, and I'm choosing this one because it's one of the ones that did get played a lot on the radio, and um, oh God, I hated it then. And I hated the fact that it actually became so big and the band was apparently so revolutionary and and it's Around the World by Daft Punk. Oh, yeah. Which I think the, the lyric sheet for the, the track is Around the World, Around the World, Around the World, Around the World. I hated it. Yes. Now, did I see something I was watching the other day where they actually said that you can print the lyrics out? <laughs> the lyrics are <laughs> around the world. Said it was. I was on um, uh, this week's edition of Specs and Specs. Okay, um, and they said uh, it's mentioned 172 times or something ridiculous. 148 times or something. Yeah, just it's, stupid. Oh. Just a stupid song. And the. The helmets and the, I mean, yeah. okay, they later they later went on to sample the Sherbs and make some good money there for um, Garth Porter, so fantastic for that. But um, what what Sherbet song did they sample? Uh, they sampled a Sher- uh, it was a Sherbs track by the Sherbs, which came after oh, Sherbet. Yeah, okay. A track called I think it was called We Ride Tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so remember they that. They took a sample of it. Oh, okay. And so obviously sold some uh, sold some records and got some YouTube views and. Uh, oh. <laughs> made, made some more money for Garth, so yeah, that was good. nice. But um, yeah, geez, around the world. No, I no. heard that and I thought, I mean, because I there was stuff in the 80s that I liked. And I think I've mentioned before on this show that some of the stuff that I like from the 80s is not the stuff that people remember from the 80s, even though it was on the radio yep. in the 80s. It's not the stuff now that when people talk about the 80s, it's not the stuff they play. But the stuff that came then in the 90s that I... I thought if, gee, if that stuff that I hated in the eighties was bad, it's it's getting worse. It's not improving. And <laughs> no. when Daft Punk were hailed as this revolutionary act with that stuff, I thought, leave me out of it. Yeah, I'm with you. What's your good one? Okay, my good one at number two, and I'm going with the Aussie because I reckon this girl's possibly the greatest Australian female singer we've ever produced, and that's Tina Arena with Burn. Yep, she. She can just kill a track. She is just sensational. I agree. I agree. Very close to putting it in, to be honest. Yeah. Um, hey, 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 date, what's that about? Date, date. As soon as you I said Tina, that. You're very close <laughs> to putting it in. Tell us about this night. Whoa. She's a St. Columbus girl, you bastard. <laughs> well, she started playing these demos. And- 
she did the fight back concert in 1989. She was a she's a ripping bird. I, I really mm. like Tina. Um, she's a I love her voice. I love her attitude. I love when she came out and stood up for artists after yeah. you know the whole COVID thing, where they said you know the artists are the first ones to jump on and do the charity gigs, as you know all too well, Brian. And then when yeah. the artists needed help, there was nothing there. She was the one who spoke up for it and. Mm. No, I really, I love her. I love her voice. I love her music. I love her attitude. I just think she's great. Yep. I concur. Yeah, I concur, Mr. Francis. Now, what have you got, uh, no, Mr. Mannix? Kev, Kev, can I just ask you, mm. have you been watching On the Buses and Love Thy Neighbour and stuff all week? No. Why would that be, Brian? Oh, she's a ripping bird. <laughs> oh, <I know. laughs> oh, yeah. Tina, sure, cool, blimey, she's a ripping bird. <laughs> oh, I'll get you, Tina. No, I haven't. Wow. No, I haven't. But no, fair call. What uh, What do you got at number two, good and bad, Mr Mannix? Well, I, as I said, Kev, I've got no idea what these bad songs are like, but <laughs> I think somebody that writes a song called Nightmare is probably a dickhead. <laughs> Which um, one? Number number seventeen. Seventeen um, by Brainbug or some bullshit. Oh, so I again, you you are you actually mate, you are channeling the list of songs I didn't bother listening to because I just thought that's got to be shit. Kev, nobody bothered to listen to this song, <laughs> and just tying the whole show together. Aria, the Australian Record Industry Association, Association rigged it so this song got into the charts. <laughs> nobody bought it. Nobody listened to it. Nobody even played it on radio because it didn't fit into the format. Yeah, I don't remember playing it. I was in 97. I was still uh, – where was I? I was floating between a couple of stations then, but I don't ever remember playing it. I've never heard of it. No. But I've never no. heard of a group called Brainbug. No, well, you know that. They, you, you, no got any in, you got any sense. inside intel on these? This mob, Ken? Nah, no, no. There was back in the days when I'd looked at the charts, and I was still looking at the charts. Surprisingly, then, but I just realised that I no longer cared. Yep. Yeah. No. It fair was enough. Acts like that that did it to me. Fair enough. I'd what's ra- what's ra- your good one, I'd bro? Ra- I'd rather look at the horoscope charts. Yeah. Good piece of shit. <laughs> 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 so, what's your good one, Brian? I um look. I could have um. This could have been number one or it could have been number two. I'm going to make it number two mm-hmm. because I I don't listen to this as often as I'd listen to number one. I do love this song. Um, it's uh, number 14, One Headlight by The War Oh, Great song. Gazumped. Mm. It's my number one. Yeah, it was nearly my number one, but I'm tipping your number two might be my number one. Yeah, it could be. I, I reckon uh, Jacob Dylan. Uh, I've seen him do some specials. He did a terrific uh, special series on uh, the music of Laurel County, um, uh, the Canyon. Sorry, um, with Michelle Phillips and that. It's a special about a four part special on Netflix or one of those. But one headlight, I thought this was a great – I thought, geez, we're going to be listening to this bloke for years and years and years and years to come like his old man, but it didn't happen. Mm. But this was a uh, – oh, hello, they're coming to get Brian. Well, mate. Uh, well, <laughs> said one headlight, right, not one right, siren, right, you dickhead. Right, I'm putting my pants back on. <laughs> off the jeez, I thought it'd taken half an hour before anybody had the binoculars on that. <laughs> Uh, All right. Uh, no, good song, really good song. I, and I reckon he sings it really well. I just reckon that's a ripping, yeah. ripping song, One Headlight. All right, well, uh, 
So I'll go to my number two good, which is uh, – I'll be surprised if it's your number one good, Brian, to be honest. Really? I just I just really like this song. I thought this song was one of the few in that mid part of the seventies that I actually when when I got when it came up on the computer for me to play, um, I thought yeah I know I like that one. I'll play that one. I like I like the clip because it had a bit of attitude about it. Um, nothing they did afterwards inspired me one little bit. Uh, in fact, mm-hmm. I found most of the stuff they did after this dreary but bittersweet symphony by the Verve. I thought was a really good song. A really good song, and I thought it bounced out of the radio, uh, and I did enjoy it. Now, my number Jeez, two, whiz. Kev, I reckon dreary is a bit of a harsh adjective. Oh, I, reckon, I reckon it's really f-ing rude. <laughs> <laughs> that song Sorry. they did about I want to draw with the drugs don't work. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. What a, yeah oh, sorry. Oh, just uh, tedious. And my number two, I'm doing going to do a Kenny here. I'm going to pick two <laughs> songs. <laughs> For some reason, I really related to that one, but I'm um, okay. Move on. What, Bittersweet Symphony? No, the drugs don't work. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yes. So, um, what, what it was, Bittersweet Symphony? My number two. Gazumped. Is that your number one? That's my number one. Oh, okay. So, we do have the same. Top two. Well, occasionally we do, yeah. Yeah, there you um, go. And interesting because um, they only got about the Rolling Stones got ten percent, ninety percent of that song. Yeah, because they said it would do. They stole it's it, didn't they? Bittersweet symphony. I told you once and I told you twice. It, it's a rip off the Rolling Stones song, but just a little bit of it. I'm surprised Ken doesn't know this, but I'm I'm going to scoop him. Um, <laughs> the Rolling Stones gave them a hundred percent of it within the last month, which is probably a bit late for them, but the Rolling Stones will no longer take 90% of um, the royalties, oh, songwriting okay. royalties for that song. So there uh, you go. What, what was the Stone song? The last time. The last time. This will be the last time. Yeah. Yeah, it is a well bit. Well done, Ken. It, it has got a bit of that in it, but I, I, I just thought it was a good song. You're, really good song. you're like... You're like Molly, Ken, except you're not drunk. <laughs> what do you mean I'm like Molly? No, I said Ken's like Molly. Oh, you're Ken's like, like you're like Donny Sutherland. No, I'm not. <laughs> oh shit, no, I'm not. No, 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 no. Speaking of, speaking of drunk, yes. Now my number two, uh, bad. I'm doing a Ken. I'm taking two songs, and it's by the same artist, by a, a five piece um, African American singing group called Damages. Well, they should be sued for damages. Because because wonderful tonight and forever are the two most saccharine filled syrupy heaps of uh, uh, heart it, heart it's crap. Oh, it's all. I wake up with before I go to bed at night. You're the last thing I think of, and you're the first thing I think of in the morning. No, that's called a stiffy dickhead. Not a, not a not a wonderful tonight. It's just it is it is it is it, it, it drenched. It is absolutely drenched in sugar and saccharine, and they. They all sing and they all do different parts of it. It's like, no, sorry, boys. Uh, about 25 years ago, before you uh, you did this thing in 1997, there was a little band called the Jackson Five, and they might have just nailed your ass against the wall with everything <laughs> you're trying to do. You, you you lack their rhythm, you lack their originality, you lack their talent. But gee, apart from that, you might make it. <laughs> what a bunch of shit! Damages gets my <laughs> double pronged number two bad. Right. Double prong. That double doesn't prong. Happen, happen very often, Keith. No, no. Well, you, this is got a two special episode. Yes. All right, Kenny, what do we got at the top of the tree? 
All right, at the very top of a really, really bad chart. Now, did you say earlier, Kev, that you like the the Jewel song on this chart? You were meant for me. That one isn't bad. You like that? Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, she's got another one on the uh, the chart. Yeah, there is two. What was the other yeah. one called? Foolish yeah. Games. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's not very good. I didn't like anything that she did. Oh, really? Why not? Oh, I couldn't stand her. Ooh. Even Whining. the blokes. Ken was, telling, Ken was telling me before the show, <laughs> oh, even no. the blokes that she rooted, <laughs> he didn't like them as well. <laughs> Tying it up in a neat boat and all. Oh, yeah. Uh, Lucy's just gone into relapse. Um, now, <laughs> but no, Sorry, now this one was all over the radio. Oh, that's the reason. Jewel, so yeah. when I was at work, they had the radio going all day, and this song would come on, and it was whinging and whining, and I oh, couldn't stand it. And the fact that it was all over the radio, there's, there's stuff on that chart that's probably worse that, as I say, I simply do not remember. So out of the stuff that I remember, this was terrible because I never heard the end of it. Yeah, fair enough. But but fortunately, out of all that dross came one of the great songs of 1997, which is number one on my good list. Mm-hmm. And these guys just never let you down, whether they were in favour, out of favour, no matter what they were doing, they were, they were just amazing. And when they came out and hit the radio in amongst all that stuff with Alone, I thought, oh, just, okay. thank God for the Bee Gees. And Alone is a great track. And I remember Gold, of course, playing Gold in Melbourne, Gold 104, playing Gold, classic hits, played Alone. It was that good. It was just that instant classic BG sound that it stood up so well that they would play it on Gold. I reckon that was because they were touring then. Did they tour around about that time in 97? Yeah, I think they did, 97, 98. And I reckon that's why they played it because I reckon they got the tour and and because – there was constant conversations at Gold about playing what they called their uh, their core artists. Yep. So so Billy Joel, Bruce Springsteen, all that. Whenever they bring a new song out, everyone in the station would go, "We should play that," and the music powers would go, "Nah, we only play Gold." Mm-hmm. Um, so they wouldn't play it. And the Bee Gees, I think, were the one and only one that they ever did that with. Yep. And I think it was because they had the tour. But yeah, it was a good song. You're right. It's a good great song. song. Yeah, good song. And what they, a band. They didn't have very many bad ones, the Bee Gees. You're right. No. They didn't have no. they didn't have a you know two or three albums full of shit. They were pretty good. Yeah. Right, they and Ryan. They, they left that to Russell Crowe, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so your number one good is Bittersweet Symphony. Do you have a, a final nomination yeah. for your number one bad? Well, look, my number one bad is a really great song. Oh. And and who's fucked I it up? I, I thought it. No, they, they've done a great job. Here. It's really well produced, oh. and it's 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 a great song. It's but I'm going to put in my number one bad, and then I'll tell you why in a minute. Okay. But everybody, Backstreet Boys, all right, you know, everybody, rock oh, your yeah. bar. It's a really well produced song, and it's really really good. Yep. Um, it's not my cup of tea, certainly boy bands, but you know, I think it's a great song. But it is my number three bad for this reason. When I used to go and do Pump, they used to play this song <laughs> while we're doing lunges. What? And, and I don't know. If you've done lunges, your upper thighs are fed ink and killing you. It's just I'd only get halfway through and I'd have to stop. I'm your 
fucking kidding, aren't you? And because this was the song we did lunges to, all I when I hear it now, it's just pain. So um, sorry to the Backstreet Boys. Um, it is a great song, but it's my number three bad because of all of the pain it gave me. So based on your thighs. That's right. It's... Um, it's the thighs. It was yeah. yeah. Those and, those uh, incredibly powerful uh, muscle bound unit thighs of well, yours. You know, no, they're not, Kev. But who knows? If I <laughs> listen to the whole album, maybe they would be. <laughs> uh, he says with less than five percent battery. Okay, I, I can't believe we've got an hour and a half into the show, and with everything we've dissected and solved and discussed tonight. We come out with the most amazing revelation that in 1997, Brian Mannix was doing pump. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I look, it wasn't what he I He still thought is it was. in turn. They said, Do you want to come to a pump class? And I thought, You beauty, I'll be there. You can always get better at this root and stuff, but it, 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 it turned out to be exercise. Yes. And he's still using a pump to this day. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, oh, here we go. I do. I do have a dick pump fort story for you, but um, we'll. Um, oh, we'll look! Run out of time. Oh, yeah, oh, look no, no, look no, at the no. clock. I've got a story, but um, yeah. yeah. We'll save that for oh. another day because I'm going to tell you that my number one bad, my number one good, obviously, is one headlight uh, by the Wallflowers. Uh, number one bad is um, Blur. God, that song annoys me. We what is it? Remember we talked about um, Maddle Lake earlier? Nah, 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 nah. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Blur's yeah. Yeah, woo-hoo song. Oh, woo-hoo. That, dry, that, I, that is it's one annoying song. They used a lot in uh, sporting uh, sort of video clip uh, montage things. They'd put it in there and it was just, oh, jeez. But it, it beat a few out. I, I, if I could throw Hard to Say I'm Sorry by As Yet in there, I would because that is just an awful, awful version of what is actually a pretty ordinary song, not Chicago's finest moment, that's for sure. Um, a Danny Minogue song, All I Want to Do. Oh, really? All you want to do is stay in that dress because you're trying to do – trying every single – Part of your body is trying to get out of that dress that you're in in the clip, but for some reason you managed to stay in it. Yeah, I saw that there, and I thought, uh, you know, I like Danny, and I love to support the Aussies, but uh, and Danny did some great stuff. Yeah, yeah Honey, was, Honey by Mariah Carey should be in there too, and uh, yeah, and a thing called The Freshman by the Verve Pipe. I didn't even know this song existed, and I played it on the radio in Geelong the other week, and thought it was a one-hit wonders weekend, and I played it, and I thought. In fact, that's such a one-hit wonder, I didn't even know it existed. <laughs> Maybe it was a no-hit one. Well, that's what I thought it was too. Um, but yeah, and, and, and not many not many songs to apologise for leaving out, I must say. No. Um, I think we covered the, the seven or eight that we actually named, I think are the only seven or eight good ones in that entire chart. The rest well, of them, my God. Just to tie up the entire show, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. You know, what we've discussed tonight is that we've decided that money and corporation and committees are no good for music, sport, radio, um, and we've decided and, and hurri- that- And hurricane names. Hurricane names, you know, no Muhammad. What about- Hurricane Cy- Muhammad. What about Cyclone Microsoft? That'd frighten the shit out of everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Cyclone Amazon, Jesus Christ! 
Cyclone McDonald's. Exactly. Here, you fat people stay here. The rest of you <laughs> evacuate. See, Cyclone Jack, you'd go, oh, yeah, Cyclone Jack. But you go Cyclone Hungry Jack. Jesus. Ooh, all right. It's a whopper. Well, actually, if you were <laughs> Cyclone Whopper. You know, if you were doing a roofing company or oh, something. No, what? Would you would so you, you say roofing company? A roofing company. You say, I'm going to sponsor a cyclone. Because my roofs are not going to get <laughs> ripped off. So, you know, you know, why don't people Cyclone you know, Colour Bond? Yes, Colour Bond. <laughs> cyclone Colour Bond. And you know, um Warning, warning. Yeah, cyclone Strathcore. Advertising <laughs> on cyclones. You know, earthquakes have a name. We can sell advertising for them as well. <laughs> Cycl- earthquake <laughs> Mitre 10, Earthquake, earthquake Bunnings. Earthquake Mariah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to Ken earlier before the show. <laughs> right. And, and, on that note, and on that note, we're finishing. Ken, <laughs> thank you so much. It's always great to have you on the program. Thanks so much for jumping in. It's been a, it's been a hoot. Yeah, well, I love coming, love coming on with you guys. We've enjoyed it, and uh, we, we've been talking about all sorts of different things, Ken and I, in the past couple of months. So Ken will be reappearing. Oh, I can imagine what you and Ken were talking about. <laughs> well, Ken I said to Ken no. before the show, I said, <laughs> I wouldn't root Brian, seriously. If all the, all the rock stars in the world lined up, I know if it was raining rock stars, I'd get Brian. Yeah, I said to you, Kev, if he starts bringing out the demos, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but... He would be good to talk to. (laughs) (laughs) See you, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. All the best to finding his mum. Yeah, absolutely. You've just experienced rock and roll. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook.